0: Hi, this is Emma
1: from Delecta. Hi, this is Dan Sandy from Sparks.
0: Hi, my name is Olivia Rodriguez and I'm Head of Computing... Hi, Sophie,
1: it's Dominic from United Learning.
2: Well, hello everyone and welcome to the EdTech Podcast, Our mission is to improve the dialogue between Ed and Tech and this week's no different as we delve into some listener feedback on the EdTech strategy published last week by the Department for Education in the UK. We've got to know some of the EdTech strategies and approaches by different governments around the world, so it's interesting to reflect on developments closer to home, namely around reducing teacher workload, boosting training for teachers with bite-sized CPD, improving access for children with SEND, and tackling plagiarism by technology with technology. Here at the EdTech Podcast, we were encouraged to see that these are some of the subjects that we've covered in episodes across the past three years. But what is the wider education and EdTech sector thinking about these developments? We asked and you delivered. Here's a selection of your thoughts in this, our special episode, with thanks to everyone who contributed. We also include a cutaway to a listener's experience of a recent 10 Downing Street hosted workshop on how government can better support the development of edtech businesses. Full references in our show notes. Enjoy and do feel free, of course, to comment at podcastedtech or via speakpipe.com forward slash the edtech podcast. Bye bye. The Department for
3: Education's new EdTech strategy is a really important step in recognising the potential that technology has to support education, but only when it's used effectively, thoughtfully and critically in the hands of confident and expert teachers. So while involving a range of stakeholders, including EdTech companies in the strategy and encouraging a great focus on impact and on evidence is really important, I think it's the work around teachers that will really underpin the strategy That's why the Charter College of Teaching is pleased to be supporting it through the free online courses we're developing on FutureLearn, helping teachers and school leaders to engage in evidence-informed technology use. I think the focus on infrastructure is also really important. Technology that's unreliable and fails to meet teachers' needs can really drive workload, with teachers who are keen to use technology sometimes feeling like they need to plan two versions of a lesson one for if the Wi-Fi is working and one for if it isn't. And that's just not a reasonable expectation. So setting an expectation of high quality infrastructure is also a really strong part of the uh, work.
4: I'm delighted with Damien Hines' announcement of the EdTech strategy that the DFE is working hand in hand and collaborating with key teaching and industry bodies to focus on some of the really practical solutions that school needs, helping them know how to make best practice use of technology in schools, helping them solve some of the challenges they've faced for a long time, like reducing workload through the use of technology and also improving teaching and learning outcomes. I think it's great that organisations like the Chartered College, Nesta, Visa, we're all working with the DfE to help give advice and guidance and practice Practical support to schools in everyday contexts around the country. I think it's also brilliant that the DfE are starting to look at the, the school's network infrastructure and really getting that right so actually schools can use the technology in the right context in their own schools. From a personal perspective, I'm very pleased that um, BISA will be working with the DfE on our sister um, activities of the Learned Roadshows, which are free one-day CPD training events focused on peer-to-peer engagement and um, knowledge, and also LendEd, which is a free online platform which helps teachers take free trials of technology so they can work out what's right for their schools. So in summary, I think this is a great first step for the DfE, and we look forward to working with schools and government to take it forward.
5: Hello, I'm Christian Turton, co-director of the London Connected Learning Centre. We support schools and other settings in using technologies creatively and critically by providing curriculum support, technical services and professional development. So on the whole, London CLC welcomes the edtech strategy. However, context is crucial. Use of technology needs to be carefully thought out with an identified and stated purpose and need shared with the whole school community. This is essential. This, This shared vision is really key. And there always needs to be an agreed pedagogy. That vital focus on supporting learners is not immediately apparent in this strategy. Damien Hines talks about schools' covers of shame full of unused tech. And at London CLC, we focus on the context rather than the technology. And careful strategic planning is so important. Will the leading tech companies the government is inviting to make recommendations take the same objective approach? So, our verdict on the edtech strategy: it's a welcome start that needs more emphasis on context and learners, and less on the edtech industry.
0: Hi, my name is Olivia Rodriguez, and I'm head of computing at a prep school in London. I think that the government's new edtech strategy is exciting, as it promotes a positive image of edtech. Normally, in the news, we hear negative stories about technology and its use in schools and by children. It is encouraging to note that in the strategy, one of the first things the government highlights is that teachers and learners are already embedding edtech in their everyday practice. It is also great that the strategy highlights that there are already pockets of good practice in terms of the use of edtech. I was enthused to see information in the section entitled Developing Digital Capability in Schools about the launch of a network of demonstrator schools and colleges. But I was wondering if there's an overlap between what Microsoft has already achieved with their Microsoft schools, what Google for Education does, and what groups such as Computing at School have achieved with their hubs. I always appreciate opportunities to receive support from experts in the edtech field, but I do not want the government to waste money on creating something which is already happening. I assume the key is an increased collaboration between companies such as Microsoft and Google and excellent working groups and bodies such as Computing at School, the ISC Digital Strategy Group, the Education Endowment Foundation, EdTech UK and JISC, I would love to become involved with demonstrator schools and with supporting LearnEd, the regional EdTech roadshows, to showcase products and services and facilitate learning from other educational leaders.
6: Okay. Perhaps I should say initially that having spent my career working education in education and information technology for schools, I'm always delighted when any government sits up and shows a bit of interest in EdTech, especially when when one of the perpetual Present ministers seem to be suspicious of any technology after the fountain pen, so we really should welcome the EdTech strategy from Damien Hines. However, it doesn't take long before a reality check kicks in. £10 million may sound like a lot of money in a headline, but given that there are 25,000 schools in England, that's around £400 per school, about enough for one laptop each though my bet is that a lot of that £10 million will find its way into the pockets of other interested parties rather than those of the schools. Next up, alarm bells ring when we see the definition of education technology. I quote, Education technology, edtech, refers to the practice of using technology to support teaching and the effective day-to-day management of education institutions. Now call me old school. But I seem to remember that we used to think that the core function of education technology was actually just support learning, as well as teaching and administration. This new, limited view, automating rather than transforming education, may be a great leap for DFE kind, but sadly it's backwards. Now many of the suggestions in the strategy do seem quite laudable, and indeed they should because they seemed equally laudable when they were part of the DFE's harnessing the technology strategy all those years ago. This is rather like harnessing the technology too, just when you were afraid we'd never get back into the water, but with almost all the essential funding surgically removed. And, for example, launching a network of demonstrator schools and colleges to showcase best practice and offer peer-led, hands-on support for those schools that need it, sounds like a good idea. And it is. So good, in fact, that SSAT launched just such a project at the end of the last century called the ICT Register, which indeed proved so useful that it received DFE financial support for several years until Michael Gove took office and all such activities were consigned to the bonfire of the guangos. As we read on, the document includes quite a few such examples of wheels being reinvented. Presumably they're needed to replace all those wheels that came off education technology under the Tories' swinging cuts from 2010 onwards. And an advisory group on EdTech sounds like another great idea, though it isn't made quite clear how the new one is going to improve on the advice from the Educational Technology Advisory Group, set up at the DFE's behest by Stephen Heppel, and then duly ignored since it published its report in 2016. Though perhaps there were actually too many practitioners and not enough commercial interests on the Utah group for the current liking. The new strategy is entitled Realising the Potential of technology and education. Now, by realising, I think they mean making real, but the cynic could be excused for thinking it suggests that the current DFE is finally waking up and actually realising that there is potential in education technology.
7: Hi, this is Dan Sandy from Sparks. With respect to the EdTech strategy, we know that proven EdTech can undoubtedly make a huge impact on students with special learning needs. But we mustn't forget that the attainment gap for disadvantaged pupils is continuing to grow. It must be a key priority for investment in EdTech to ensure these students benefit as much, if not more, than their peers. Collaboration is something I've noted that runs across this strategy, throughout the strategy. This is fundamental, uh, but it needs to be detailed at a granular level. We've seen this kind of collaboration firsthand, having spent eight years working with our partner schools to develop personalised math learning technologies. We've literally been embedded in classrooms, working side by side with teachers and students, and it's paid off as we've seen the gap for disadvantaged students dramatically improve. The strategy is an important start, but we need to all work together to bring about change. No individual education company or team can make the difference that is needed. It will take cross-sector effort that puts the varied challenges faced by teachers at its heart. With new investment from government, the next step is to focus on provable, replicable results stemming from technologies that is based on in-class research and true collaboration.
8: Hi. Hi, Sophie. It's Michael here from Innovate My School. Delighted to see the UK's Department for Education launch their much anticipated EdTech strategy. Uh, I'm particularly excited about how many times it mentions the word impact, 89 times in fact. Seems to fully back our latest project, EdTech Impact, which helps schools measure the impact of technology in their specific context, uh, which is enabling us to build the largest public evidence base in education on what works for schools. It was really interesting because actually, what prompted me to start EdTech Impact was a, a DFE roundtable. Uh, I remember you and I chatting, Sophie, about how we couldn't believe the good government was suddenly interested in EdTech after eight years of nothing. I think that was the summer of 2017 when they, they started doing those roundtables. So, fair play to the DFE EdTech team and Damien Hines uh, in bringing this to life. And you know, the strategy's set the same stage now, and uh, I really hope it's executed well and works for the majority and not the few. Uh, I find that the, the UK EdTech marketplace is so fragmented and. So I really hope that all stakeholders, particularly at the grassroots level, are included in the months and years that follow. um, So that the impact that is constantly mentioned throughout is realised. It's time now for less talking and more action. Keep up the good work, Sophie, and bye for now.
9: Hi,
2: this is Emma from Delecti. I think this is a step in the right direction, but only if we don't just resultantly see a swathe of new products. Upholding the misguided policy of encouraging fact regurgitation rather than soft skill development in schools.
10: Hello, my name is Richard Smith from Amazing ICT, and I work in eight schools a week supporting students and staff with computing and e safety. I welcome the government's initiative, but I'm just very aware that we need to ensure that there's lots of face-to-face training, as well as the online training that was promised in the document. Lots being done um, in terms of the national centre, the new national centre, um, and we need to make sure that we spread the word about the courses that are available, including the bursaries of £100 for schools in priority areas. So lots of exciting stuff going on. I think we need to communicate a bit better amongst the community, Um, such as your podcast, so that we are sharing all these ideas so that there's coverage across the whole country. Thank you for listening. Hi Sophie, it's Dominic from
1: United Learning. I'm quite heartened by the strategy for technology and education that the government released last week, partly because it's been so long in coming and the sector has been desperate for some leadership in this area. And partly because it's so pragmatic, it's been criticised by some for this as uh, not being innovative enough. But in the past, I think the the sector, the, the workforce has been wearied by all this talk of innovation and transformation and the promise that technology was going to solve all its problems, which it clearly can't. What it can do is make the processes of teaching and learning and of working within a school much more effective and efficient. It can save time. It can enhance and speed up learning as well, if well applied. And those are the things we should be concentrating on. And that's what the strategy does. So it's not particularly glitzy. It talks about moving to the cloud a lot more than it talks about virtual reality, for example. But I think it's going to be of real practical use to all the schools in the country. So, I encourage everyone to engage with it um, and to consider, if you're already well ahead on this path, becoming one of the demonstrator schools that the strategy promises to implement.
11: So, we were absolutely delighted as kind of linked in with the King's College London accelerator to get front of Theresa May, uh, some of our special advisors, and really talk about what's happening in education, specifically around the technology and the tools and the innovation that's happening that can really make change when it comes to student outcomes. So they'd already had this kind of bit of relationship and have been working around uh, health tech with some really good positive outcomes around funding, around um, kind of growing pilots and trials, so the goal was very much to how do we how do we have that kind of success in in education. My name is uh
12: is i'm uh, the co-founder of Skool. and um, we're a platform that helps teachers build their own brand, so almost a, a LinkedIn for teachers, so they can answer questions, upload resources, and teach um, on the platform. We have about twenty five thousand people that are using it, and. One of our investors is the uh, co-founder of Twitter, which is a great person to have. And I think for me, the the, the biggest benefit for um, a conversation like this is being able to be in and around uh, the circle of influence. I know that um, decisions are rarely ever made on the back of one meeting, um, but I do know that you're able to impact uh, the world in the way that you want and to be able to actually create value uh, to the people around us, especially students. Uh, the way to do that would be to have the conversations um, with the decision-makers. So for me, that was one of the biggest things that we were able to get out of it.
9: My name is Caitlin, and I co-founded Museumio. And Museumio is a virtual reality ed tech platform where culture meets curriculum. Uh, Through our platform, children between the ages of 8 and 12 can adventure through curriculum-led quests that feature interactive artifacts from institutions all over the world. Um, and the biggest benefit, I think, for us being present at this roundtable was having that discussion, having that brainstorming with the change makers in UK policy and sharing our experiences, taking two very antiquated fields of culture and education and bringing that to the 21st century.
11: So, my, my business, Edven, we are all about soft skills. For us, we understand the problems around. Um, the changing and evolving workforce, and we very much began with the question of what skills do you need to to build your perfect career, no matter what that might be, being an entrepreneur, working in the finance sector, working in a charity, small business, whatever it might be. So we've built an online learning platform that gamifies the way that you actually um, kind of go through short form video content, always learning, uh, and then applying that into kind of opportunities with our corporate partners. Um, So we're a SaaS platform, essentially selling it to universities and and corporates, because we think students pay more than enough when it comes to their time in education.
12: I feel like it's most likely going to be a a two-way solution or a two-part conversation, because um, you know on our side, it's one thing to be able to bring this up to government and to actually um, share uh, and and showcase some of these kind of key issues and where we feel like we can add, add value, but equally, there's a a step required on their side to make this happen. Um, but again, coming back to that kind of initial point of, I don't think uh, an outcome has ever come from one meeting in government. I think will prove mm-hmm. to be true in case, but it's not to say that it doesn't happen. So um, on the back of, so just to kind of give the context on how this came about, we first had a meeting together actually at uh, number 10 a few months ago, centered around entrepreneurship in general. On the back of that, there was a particular interest in edtech, um, similar to kind of the kind of work that they have done in the medtech space over the past few years. So it really is now getting into the stage where the understanding and value of education in the UK is getting more and more focused. So the way that I see it moving forward is over the next one, two or three meetings that are likely to have, we can start meeting tangible, actionable tasks from just having the idea of what we think it should look like towards let's actually work in a date and Um, work in getting people together to actually action on these next steps.
9: Well, and I think building off his point, I think we can look to other countries and governments that have already more established ed tech sectors, such as Finland, where there are co-creation programs that are led by local authorities. They have um, city selling systems and different ways to integrate ed tech from the children to the teacher to the end user. And having that fluid ecosystem is something that, I think the UK can truly benefit from, and I think the educational policy report is lending itself that way. Arp. One of the interesting points, um, yeah. having a similar system up in Finland, we have the Ky Ky. Um, it's called Cuckoo Co-Creation with Schools, and I think the Lend the trial program for schools that allows you know schools to trial the product, see how it works within their class flow is lending itself towards having better ed tech where the pedagogy is leading the product and not the technology. Um, Because I think to have ed tech truly work in a UK classroom, the education has to be the driver. You cannot just implement technology for technology's sake. And I think that's a huge step.
12: Um, Just to share about a final point around technology from the conversation we had, um, there are two perspectives in the world that I think exist as the tech, ed tech entrepreneurs who, Um, obviously see it as this huge revolutionary step towards development Um, but oftentimes uh, with parents and classrooms being inundated with cool tech things that exist and all these amazing tools um, oftentimes there is an actual kind of concern almost where how much of it is tech for tech's sake versus how much of it adds value um, to the learner and that's really where um, we should try and find them the sweet spot where it's not just technology for technology's sake um, it is something that can actually make a meaningful impact on learning <laughs>